Good morning, it's Saturday. <laughs> Let's see how your mic is this morning. Oh no, you know what? I'm gonna move you to the other one. Um, good morning, it's Saturday. This is Casey and Rex here with you on a Saturday morning at Right On SC. Welcome to the program. Uh, Welcome. We are uh, broadcasting out of the studios in Columbia, South Carolina, thanks to MakeThePointRadio.com as well. Um, we're glad to welcome all of our internet listeners. This program is by writers, for writers, and you can get the show notes out on the blog. It's RightOnSC.blog. Um, Rex and I have some housekeeping to do here real quick before we jump into the topic of the day. Um, but if you've already pulled up the show notes, you know that this is episode 146, and it's called White Writers, Diverse Characters. So we're going to be talking about uh, all these sorts of nuances around how do you create a character that has an experience that you personally have not ever had, um, specifically when it comes to things like culture, ethnicity, race, and uh, orientation. But before we get to that, um, I wanted to tell you I have accomplished something magnificent this week. Oh, was that you finished a book? Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. okay. Um, I'm, well, I'm still working on the Neverland story, right? All right, Wattpad, good. So that's still out there. Um, I did. Yeah, I, I, I'm finishing chapter four of, for the Vela one. So, and you said but you wanted Vela's five. Not, huh? You wanted five before you actually load it? Oh, yeah. That's what they suggested, wasn't it? Yeah. Five or six. Five or six. Fine. Okay. Yeah, so, so I'm still working on that. But no, no, um, I got all of our uh, episodes from February and March loaded to Simplecast. Oh, excellent. So people can go for your binge listening pleasure on Apple Music or on Amazon Music, which most of our listeners are actually coming from Amazon Music, most of yeah. our downloads. And that includes the two episodes I did when you were gone with Alexa Bigwar, uh, which were the um, Path to Publishing episodes. And interestingly, when those went up, they were the first ones downloaded. I like I go check the stats and like almost within a minute and a half, 10, 15 downloads for each of those episodes because people are just desperate to know what does a publisher actually think <laughs> about publishing. Um, but anyway, so all of that's out there. It's on Amazon Music and Apple Podcasts. Uh, take a look at that. We're also in June going to be highlighting some independent bookstores across the state. Good. So the first one for this week is the Liberty Book Company. It's in Rock Hill. It's on Oakland Avenue near Winthrop University. They're closed on Sunday, um, but every other day of the week they are from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Go visit them and let them know that uh, Right on SC sent you because we have a little bit of a relationship with them. Um, I asked them if it was okay with them if we talk about them on the show. I, I can't remember having been to that bookstore up in Rock Hill. It's been a long time since I've been to Rock Hill. I've but I know never exactly actually been where it is. Where been through, uh, I've been through Rock Hill, literally. Mm -hmm. On the highway, I've never stopped. Yeah. Because it's just a big rock pile, right? Well, no, no, Winthrop University is there. <laughs> That's where I got my master's degree, is it? Oh, okay. So I spent a lot of time in Rock Hill during my master's program. Um, so I know exactly where the bookstore is, but I haven't actually been there. Um, but anyway, that's the Liberty Book. So how'd you get your Rock books? Hill. No, no, this isn't the actual oh. university bookstore. Okay. I haven't been to this bookstore, but okay. I did go to the university bookstore. My God. Bought a lot of copies of Shakespeare. Yeah, uh, at overpriced, right? Yeah, probably. And then they ripped you off when you tried to sell it back. Oh, I didn't sell any of them back. Oh, okay. All the books from my master's program I kept. Really? Yeah. That my, what my did you MA, get your master's in? English. English. Literature. Literature. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I kept them all. I, it was all mostly American literature, but I did have a couple of European literature classes and, and like, poetry classes. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who can't see, that was Casey rolling her eyes at the poetry classes. You poets out there, we love you. I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, I'm just terrible at poetry. I'm terrible at all things. Poetry. Well, you know, you can overanalyze it to the point where it becomes boring. So I want to tell a story. And actually, this is actually a little, a, a little well, segue because um, I'm going to tell a story that's going to kind of tee up what we're going to talk about today. Okay. And it comes from. I have news too, you know. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
my well, apologies. All right, my well, you know, co-host has news as well. Well, Pit Mad, you know, was yeah, on yeah, Thursday, yeah. and for those who don't know, that's uh, that's where you pitch online on Twitter um, your idea, and if any agent is interested, um, they they uh, they ding you. Yeah, they favored it. They mm-hmm. favored it, and I got uh, one of my books was uh, favored by uh, by. Uh, a little an independent press, but that's that's since I write horror, mm-hmm. that's primarily who puts out horror is uh called it's called Madness Heart yeah, Madness Heart Press. Nice. And I've been on their podcast a few times, so uh, I sent it in. It's the, my journey through hell story where I rewrite the Inferno. Yeah. Starring myself, of course. Of course. Of course. I mean, who would you rather do this, you know read about? Oh, myself? my favorite. My favorite point of view is my own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's amazing. <laughs> um, so that has been sent in and they were actually it was very strange because they're they're closed the submissions yeah um and all they wanted was the synopsis and the first chapter huh. usually they want a lot more than that right yeah i mean especially the ones where they do a marketing breakdown which i'm still struggling how to do properly so that's interesting that they're closed to submissions but they were participating in pitmad i think they were closed to submissions because of pitmad oh i got you yeah yeah. But, you know, and if you did get on Pit Mad and didn't get dinged, don't worry. I, I was going through it. Most people did not get dinged. Yeah. I swear to God. I, I, I participated in Dark Pit Yeah. Le, uh, uh, two weeks ago, which was just for horror, and I didn't see anyone get dinged. I don't think there were any. Uh, no agents or publishers there. At all there at all. Yeah. Even though they claim they're having over 50. Yeah. Because, you know, I pitched the same things. So, I mean, actually, all my other stuff what does uh, – Got dinged as well. Some other this other independent one was interested in, but it looked really sketchy. Yeah, like the only the only books published by were the ones by the man. Will it be interesting Ooh. to see if um if this turns into anything? Because right. Because I think a lot of people are concerned that they participate in those sorts of contests and um you know pitch sessions and that sort of thing, and nothing really comes of it. So it will be interesting to see if this this. Yeah, that's plays always out the thing. You. But you know, it doesn't cost you any money. True. You know, I mean, you put it out there, um, and you can, you know, you do it like once every two hours. And you know, Barbara Evers ran a writing conversations on this for the SCWA, and she, you can actually, if you're an SCWA member, you can access it. It's from back in March, called the Perfect Pitch, and it was focused on building a pit mad 240 character pitch. Yeah, um, it was really, really a good session. Actually, I suggested. Well, my suggestion is, well, first of all. You'd always you always come up with this is this plus this right right so my pitch was Dante's Inferno times uh, uh, you know with the uh, the road meets okay. the road yeah and and then I came up with about three or four different ways to pitch the same book mm-hmm. yeah that's just cute. in case the first one didn't catch that person's eye the second one might they're all they're both correct yeah because there's only <laughs> yeah. Well, this is exciting. Yeah, we'll want to follow up on that and see if that plays out for you. But All you right. sent it right away. Oh, yeah, I already sent it. I was giddy. <laughs> That's good stuff. All right, so. Um, like a girl being asked to the prom. <laughs> I'm going to um, tee up the conversation for today. Our, the, okay. Over the, there we go. Over last week, um, I had a conversation with Lynn Lawson, who's one of the, he's a poet here in South Carolina, uh, and he is a member of the SCWA Board of Directors and is working um, in some diversity efforts that the SCWA has put together. And the idea of these efforts is that the organization feels that, uh, as the leadership of the organization feels that the overall membership is not uh, 
reflecting the ratio of diversity in our state in terms of how many writers we have that are persons of color. That in are, South Carolina um, here. Yeah. Um, so, don't forget we have people outside yeah, the that's states right, listening sorry. in. Yeah, that's South Carolina writers. Yeah, my uncle and aunt listen now, apparently. Yeah, Massachusetts. nice. Nice. Um, so and my mother does, too. <laughs> it's a statewide organization, but the idea is they want it to reflect the same ratio of ethnic diversity in the state. Um, but that the organization at this point doesn't do that. And so they're looking for how do we um, help other uh, writers that are operating outside of SCWA to see what value we have and how can we bring value um, to them and, and, and offer them a space to come and create um we got to run to our first break already. Uh, All right. We're going to tee this up on the other side of the break. Right, white writers, diverse characters. This is right on SC. Don't go away. All right, we're back. It's right on SC here on MakeThePointRadio.com and 100.7 The Point in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, welcome back to all of our listeners, and uh, we appreciate you. We've spent the first segment really kind of catching up on the, the work we've been doing. You've got to know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know we're both working writers. Um, and so the the topic of the show really for today is white writers and diverse characters. And it, and it came about out of a conversation that I had with my friend Lynn Lawson, who said that um, oftentimes when we see characters – uh, specifically African-American or black characters in a story, that character is helping the white character be enlightened or learn something. So there's this the concept of the wise old uh, Negro when you think about these uh, stories like The Legend of well, Bagger we Vance. Can, we, we can thank Morgan Freeman for that. Morgan Freeman, okay. literally God in Bruce Almighty. Well, you know, right? but that started off that trend. Right. Uh, well, I, no, I think, that, I think it's been around for longer than that. But well, we'll just, like what else? Well, I mean, like what, Uncle Remus? So we'll just go with that's a thing, okay? Okay. Because we don't have to. We don't. I want to. I don't want to waste a whole lot of time on that. All right, so, fine. So that, there's a these tropes that exist in terms of white writers putting African American characters into their stories, and so I have a couple. Of, I have three um, African American characters in my next book before Pittsburgh, and I had um, Chris. It makes a reappearance. He was in After December. I didn't think that there was anything inauthentic about Chris he's a like this is a person I felt like a person I knew and so um, I didn't seek information or, or, or feedback from anybody on after December but because I have three of these characters in my um, in before Pittsburgh I, I, I needed feedback I wanted feedback on it and so um, that's really the conversation I have with Len was he his first question to me was why are these characters black? And I was like, what do you mean? That's just who they are. That's who Chris is, like, right? That's who Jada is. That's, that's how they show up. Like, I, don't, I didn't invent them. I didn't decide I just wanted to put black characters in my story. That's, that's not why they're there. They're there because that's part of Brian's network. Um, and so I think that's the, the, the kind of leads us to some of these questions around it, which is um, things like, can white authors write characters of color, persons of color? Well, well then it goes the other way. You know, I mean, what are we only supposed to do? Put people in our own particularly uh, ethnic group, so I can only have Irish American characters. Well, this is the the adage, right? You you write what you know, right? Right. And so, if these are people that you know, then can you be authentic about representing them? Sure. But if they're not people that you know, if it's and, and maybe it's harder with something like a historical fiction piece where you know you clearly didn't live during that era, so you wouldn't actually know those people. I don't know because I don't write historical fiction. Okay. I mean, I do, but not about Annabellum period. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm reading your time traveling vampires right now. And, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you never met Lord Byron. No. Okay. I did not ever meet Lord Byron. 
Okay. Um, all right. So. Uh, okay. So what you're saying is uh, the question is what? The, do so. There's a there's a couple of questions. Can white authors write these diverse characters? Right. Yes. Just, yes. I agree with that. Um, and then writing what you know does that apply here? Right. In terms of the the adage, like write what you know, does that apply? I suppose. Well, you know, I mean, there's all this hysteria running around now. I mean, people canceling their own books. There was that woman who, uh, you know, added the Gullah, um, who, who, uh, whose book was uh, had, had to do with the uh, the Gullah tradition in South Carolina there. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember the name of the island. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Oh. Uh, it's a group of uh, former... I mean, I know what the Gullah people in South Carolina are. Okay. And we do have an author in SCWA, um, uh, Josie Olsvig, who did a lot of research and has exactly. books about that. that. But uh, since this woman was, uh, and apparently this woman did a certain amount, but she included it as part of her book mm -hmm. and then was uh, forced to uh, reject, you know, they were going to publish it, and then it came out uh, that she wasn't part of that culture, so they had to remove so they removed it. So the question... So, so, I mean, I mean, the point is... Is if we ask, do we have the right to do it? Then we ended up saying, no one has the particular right to. Uh, oh, sorry, my wife says is Dafuski Island. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're gonna end up either writing totally about aliens, <laughs> or stuff that we make up, or we're just going to have everything from one particular point of view. Right. Because everyone's going to be too scared to go up, uh, you know, to try anything different or new. Right. Because they'll be attacked. Well, so I think there, the distinction for me, which I thought was interesting as I was doing some research for the show, is whether or not this character is a point of view character, right? If this is a point of view character and it's a point of view that you don't actually have, that's probably a lot harder, right? It's harder to write a point of view character that, with, that has an experience that you don't have. Whether that experience is about sexual orientation, whether that experience is religion, it, it it's hard to write a point of view character when that's not. If the that's point of the, view if, you but have. if that is that what the person is talking about, or is that character just happens to be gay, and it, you know, but is really just uh, there to work out a plot point. You see what I'm saying? I mean, is that person going to sit around and just you know pontificate on their homosexuality, right? Or are they going to help the protagonist, or maybe they are the protagonist? Go through the you know go through the plot. I mean, is the plot about you know? Yeah. Well, that's the the question is whether or not those characters are serving a particular role, and that role doesn't have to be one ethnicity or another, right? Right. And and that I guess that goes back to the Lynn's question for me is like, why are these characters black? It, like, is is that necessary? Could could these could the role of this character be played by anybody? And my response was like, well, yeah. I mean, probably. It, 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 they probably could. But this is Brian's network. This is who he knows. These are his friends, right? So I think uh, for me, it comes down to authenticity. If this is a, my point of view character is a white male. I'm not a white male. Exactly. Right? And you could never know what it's like. I know. <laughs> You're so persecuted. I know. We are, man. We really are. I am. I, am. I, feel, I feel the pressure every day. Oh man! Hashtag patriarchy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but I think hashtag victimhood. I think anytime you're including a character of any kind, it's always what's the character's role in the story, right? Correct. And when there's extraneous characters, you get rid of those extraneous characters. You combine them so that you have fewer characters for people to have to keep up with, right? Right. Every character should have a purpose in the story. Well, okay. I think you're, the 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 point is uh, the term tokenism. 
Yeah. Okay, so is that person gay just to, to score token points? Right. Or diversity points? You have right. to check off the box. Because that's so. This uh, the blog that I posted for Columbia Two is going to be. It's going to come out tomorrow morning, and that's what I. This is the topic I wrote about for the blog tomorrow morning. So I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. But um, it's not about virtue signaling for me, right? I didn't. It I depends. Don't, you I don't see, well, you see, virtual signaling because... is when you actually stop the plot to to lecture the audience right. of your story, and I've seen that. I've seen that in science fiction. I've seen that in a lot of TV shows. I've seen it in historical fiction. Right. They stop the plot to give you a nice little lecture about, you know, this terrible thing that uh, right. shouldn't occur. That's virtue signaling. But, I mean, I also I think that if you're writing a book and you hand it to a Like uh, you're to too somebody, stupid, sorry. And, <laughs> to and, figure this stuff. You see, that's the problem I hate about it is, you know, I'm an adult. I don't need to be lectured, especially by someone who wrote it probably younger than I am. Sorry. You're fine. Okay. Are you done now? I'm done now. I think if you hand the book to somebody and that person says to you, why aren't there any people of color in this story? Why are all of your characters white characters? Then that's where it goes. Oh, should I have, should I have, do I need, right? Like, what is it? Is this a realistic version of the town I'm in, of the network that this kid has? Like, well, there's a way around it. Don't mention anyone's ethnicity. And then you say, well, there are. You just, you know, it's your own bigotry. You know, point to a character and say, okay, that character's black. <laughs> and they just, you just didn't know it? Uh, exactly. Because there wasn't anything to indicate it? Correct. I do think that it's a, it's not a bad idea to stay away from physical stereotypes, right, and from physical descriptions um, in a way that, this is one of the, there's a blog that I have a link to in the show notes called, uh, it's something like seven subtle ways that writers show their racism. And one of them oh. is about um, describing skin color. And using food to do it. Okay. Right. Um, and the, the minute I saw that, I just kind of laughed out loud because I was like, wow. Just wow. Right? I mean. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Olive colored skin. Yeah. I've seen that a million times. Yeah, me too. And I'm not even really sure which olive we're talking about. because uh, Obviously the greenish like olive because it's usually colored. done when a person's Greek. Sometimes. I don't know. But yeah, just stay away from the food descriptions altogether. I, I guess. Think, well, it's a bit of a cliche now, anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, and and it'll just absolutely it'll just show up, and people will be like, "What is this?" Um, things though, like the other piece of it is dialect, where we see people wanting to demonstrate somebody's uh, ethnicity by providing some level of of dialect, whether it's broken English, whether it's slang, whether it's. Um, intonation like how they say something um but well i know but you know i mean zora neale hurston wrote whole books like that yeah and i mean that's what makes her things stay apart mm -hmm. i mean we and also uh you know uh, what's his face uh mark twain i didn't Huckleberry even add Finn. um zora neale hurston their eyes were watching god to the list here at the bottom or jonas it. gordvine yeah that's a read because the whole book is written like that not just the dialect yeah um, but I think novice writers get in trouble with that too, right? Like I, there's not any reason that the dialect has to be, I mean, even if you're writing a Scottish brogue, right? Like one word or two words well, to give us the idea it, and then the voice that is going to be That might be something to stay away from anyway because a lot of people, writers don't like it. Mm -hmm. when it makes it a little bit more difficult to read um, because I had that uh, in my previous book, uh, what, what Hell May Come, mm -hmm. um, one character spoke with a certain dialect. Mm-hmm. And a French dialect, 
and they said just just write it out normally and say he's ha- he's speaking with a French dialect because readers can't stand yeah when you do that. So something you might want to stick away from anyway. The Outlander series, of course, is all it's time travel and it's all takes place in Scotland. Right. And there's a ton of Scottish dialect, like uh, turn you know early 18th century Scottish dialect. Is it easy to read? Yeah. Oh. Actually, she does a good job with it. I, well, at least I thought it was. I, I've actually enjoyed it. It helped me to hear the voice. I hadn't read much Scottish dialect before I read that, so I thought it was really interesting. Um, but I think that there's a, a way to do that correctly, right? There's a way to do it because it, you need that effect, and then there's a way that you do it that a writer does it where it comes off as cliché, and, and part of the cliché piece of it is if you've never actually heard that dialect mm-hmm. and yet you're trying to recreate it. So we had a whole episode on dialect with Sharon um, came and sat with us that day, remember? And she was talking about Appalachian uh, English, right? So the, the English of the Appalachian Mountains um, in Kentucky and West Virginia. And she writes some of that dialect. But it's just enough to get a flavor for it if you've never heard it before. Right. And she grew up around it. So for her, it's a cadence, right? She hears it. She knows it. Um, and I think that's part of it, too, is what what is your experience with that cadence and how people talk and the language they use, their vocabulary, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and, if you, and if you've got that firsthand experience, you can probably be pretty authentic in presenting it. Right. Or not. Maybe. Who knows? But there's always going to be something there to challenge you. Yeah. So that's the other point here. Not Your book is not for everybody. Right. right? Oh, <laughs> so, especially not my books. So some people are not going to like it, and that's their prerogative to not like it. Or- yeah, but the thing is, the problem is a lot of people, especially, well, just the mentally ill ones on Twitter, don't just want to say, I don't like this book. They want everyone to tear it down and tear you to pieces and then throw your book in the trash and never be seen again. And on that note... We're going to break. Okay. Uh, The news is coming up for you. Don't go away. We've got more on this topic on the other side. Good morning. We're back. It's right on SC. Casey and Rex here with you on Saturday morning. We've been talking about white writers and diverse characters and some of the mistakes that get made. Um, Some of them, most of them, I would say, unintentionally. You know, mistakes, there's considered mistakes nowadays. You go back 100 years, it's standard practice. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, I'm, at this point, we're not writing 100 years ago. That's so, true. So that whole concept well, is just... I know, I know. But that the problem is I see a lot of people going back in time and you know trying to ban books Yeah. based off of that. That's a waste of time. That makes you people want to read it more. I mean, I, there's so many books being written right now. Yeah. Thousands of books being released every day. Like it doesn't seem worth it to go back into the canon and start trying to figure out, you know, did Mark Twain have a right to write Huckleberry Finn? I mean. Yeah, sure he did. He was Huckleberry Finn. In the At the end of the day, right? Like it, He grew up with that. It, I mean, he technically was reading, he was writing what he knew. Um, I think the question of required reading then comes up, right? Like, what do you require students to read? Uh, and well, how do well, you require them to experience a text that something like that that feels so far out of context? Uh, right? Well, it's historical drama at this point. And, you know, I mean, it depends on what grade level we're talking about. I mean, if it was a college course, sure. But um, I could see it being challenging to a, to, a, to a middle schooler or even a high schooler, especially yeah. some of the high schoolers I've been seeing lately. I didn't read Huckleberry Finn until graduate school. Oh, I read it in um, sophomore year. Yeah. High school, college? High school. Mm. I went to a prestigious high school. 
Yeah. <laughs> I went to a good high school that made you read challenging stuff. <laughs> I'm saying you, you know, did. The, oh! <laughs> the school district that I went to for high school was the number two school district in the nation. Ooh. So, yeah. Then why didn't you read Huckleberry Finn? Not until college. Oh, uh, why Graduate not? School. What'd you read instead? The Hamburger? The Pig Man? I can't remember what I read in high school. Honestly. Oh, my God. We read Song of Solomon. Maybe you did read it. We, <laughs> I just couldn't remember. No, no, no. We read Song of Solomon, though, um, in my, that was my junior year English class. Um, and, you know, but we've talked about Song of Solomon before because I, it's magical Goodbye, realism. Goodbye, Columbus. I can't. It's magical um, realism. Okay. But anyway, um, the segment three, here we go. We're in the show notes. It's at, right on sc.blog. I'm trying to kind of stick to it so that our listeners kind of understand um, how we're progressing through the topic. All right. Um, and, and the idea here is these mistakes that authors make when they write outside of their own experience. Um, of course, the point of view character is going to be a character that most closely resembles your point of view because it's your story that you're writing. This is the story that you were made to write, right? And so this point of view character, when you think of like our friend um, Dana Ridenauer, who writes the Lexi uh, Montgomery series, and Lexi Montgomery is an FBI agent, Dana was an FBI agent, right? So that that position, that point of view character is very close to Dana's own point of view. Um, I think that adding additional characters, diverse characters that are not from your experience is absolutely fine. The question is whether or not the point of view character, how the point of view character sees those other characters and interacts with those other characters. Usually there a lot of time they're used as the expanding the consciousness of the protagonist characters. Yes. Exposing them to something completely different and new. And helping them grow, helping them learn, or or possibly challenging them and making them defensive. Yes, something like that, where you see a different uh, way of life entirely Mm -hmm. that you're just not experienced. Um, We go through that all the time with culture shock. Yeah. It's called culture shock, and but uh, if you see it, but usually... In a, st- in a story that's limited because you see one character um, who's designed simply to give that ad- give that um, sense to the other character, to uh, someone else. Yeah, so the question is, how do you prevent these diverse characters in your story from being that, from being the scaffolding that helps your well, POV character become a better person? What's Well, I mean, you know, every character has a function. Everything can be broken down into mechanics. Right. I think it's how, um, well, look, let's look at Memoirs of a Geisha. That was written by a white guy. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. All right? So that's, and that's, that's a beautiful book, and that's, a, let's talk about, uh, you know, sensitively handling an issue. Well, that sort of depends on who you ask, though, because there's quite a few people who think that's a significant cultural appropriation. Okay, and- yeah, okay, okay. We're not talking about, you know, I mean, he, he went to old-time Geishas, and talked to them, and he was friends with them, and he, and he simply, you know, recounted part of their lives. Uh, you know, cultural appropriation. So that means, you see, when you say that, that means no one else can write outside of their, the box that society they were born in. The, the, their point of view. Right. Well, then that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. If you go and interview someone and get their perspective and, you know, figure out, find out about their culture, you have every right to write about it. Okay. All right? And I mean... These, you know, he didn't uh, exploit them. It was not an exploitation novel, was it? No. All right. I I, I actually really loved Memoir. Exactly. Yeah. You know, people who cry, you know, cultural appropriation, what are they doing? 
I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. You know why they're crying? Because those aren't creative people. Those are not the type of people who will go out and create books. They're simply the types that will stop, try to stop you from being, you know, writing uh, something good for yourself. Well, so let's make this clear, though, too, right? If, if we look at the voice, right, how many voices are coming out of these communities? There are writers in these communities. There are writers in LGBTQ plus community. There are writers in African-American black communities. There are writers in Asian-American and Korean-American, all these different um, ethnicities within, you know, all around the world. There are writers in those communities. So amplifying those voices is one way to, 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 what do you Adjust mean amplifying? This. I mean, getting them published. Get, right. them, get those novels out there. Get now, them in the hands of there's people. There's no, okay, now Add them to the canon. Force the kids no, to read them. There's no reason why any book cannot get published. Any book can get published and get worldwide distribution at this point. Yes and no. What do you mean yes and no? So, yes, it can. There's the physical capability of publishing a book for pretty much anybody. Right. But there is still a large hierarchy of gatekeepers. There you said yourself, Pitmad, right? There are agents, there are publishers, there are people that are able to make those things happen for people. And those those groups, those publishers, right? What's the right way to put this? They're homogenous. <laughs> In a lot of cases. I don't know. I, it they're seems pretty to be homogenous. I've been looking at a lot of different agents and that seems to be changing rapidly. There are now, I think. Well, I mean, even they're all white women. I think they're. Yeah, they're pretty much all white women at this point. Hashtag woke. Yeah, hashtag woke. <laughs> are you sure? It's just homogenous in a different way. Yeah, I mean, we we did go through a so period all of time young where adult. there was it was all white. Look at the canon that you have to read. It in, was all in, white men. Now it's all white women. There's a lot of Such white women diversity. writers. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so then the question is, how do you get these other these other books? Are are they're good books, right? They're quality books. These are good stories. These are well-written pieces. That's... So how do they get out there and in, in, in front of something like a white man writing an Asian woman's story? I mean, again, is it just the quality of the work? Is that all that matters? Is the quality of the work? Well, well, certainly. That certainly helps. I think that's a pretty privileged perspective. How so? Because the quality of the work is only able to be judged once the work is visible, once it's accepted. Oh, once well, the quality of the work, well, yeah, but that quality it. comes out inside the agents. They read, you know, and the publishers. I mean, they read so much that, you know, something of real quality pops out. One should uh, hope. Hopefully. Who yeah. knows? I mean, um, I, I assume that's part of it. That certainly can help quality of work. Yeah. I've read a lot of bad stuff you've read a lot of bad stuff i have read a lot of so stuff. when that when a when a well-written book pops out um you immediately appreciate it you gravitate towards it naturally mm -hmm. um uh, we're kind of off topic now aren't we yeah a little bit so um, okay. to go back to our list of the mistakes that that authors make when they do this reverting to cliches and stereotypes yeah okay we mentioned that if you don't have direct experience with this experience whether again whether it's lgbtq or whether it's ethnicity whether it's religion if you don't have a direct relationship with that experience then all you know of it is what you've been seeing in movies and reading in books and if what you're and i, I wouldn't even say really books unless you're reading books by that community right so there are lgbtq authors that will do an authentic presentation of what that sure. life looks like read one of their books right <laughs> i mean well most independent bookstores at least the good ones um, usually have an LGBTQ whatever 
section. What it, what, it, what? How many letters is it up to now? LGBTQ plus. I don't even know what all that means. Yeah, that's that's all right. What? Okay, what does Q mean? Q is queer. Well, isn't that gay? Isn't no. that the same thing? What's the difference between gay and queer? Gosh, now we're gonna have to have a whole lesson on this. No, well, we'll, I'm just sorry. We'll do, I, I, we'll do it, it used we'll do to be the same the thing, right? We'll do that off the air. Okay. It's not. It's we're not gonna go there. All right. All right. Um, the other. So the other one uh, attempting the dialect. We mentioned that. And then white splaining. This is what you said before about get, get the lecture, right? Um, but white splaining is white voices lecturing on what should and should not be considered racist. Well, uh, then I think it's anyone who tries to lecture me about racism. All right, I'm an adult, and if I'm reading a story, unless the story, unless I know the specific stories about on that subject, I don't want to have to be lectured to like I'm a two year old, right? Like like I'm back in kindergarten. I want an authentic experience. Right. I want the characters to feel real. And if the if the lesson comes, the moral should come out in the subtext anyway. Right. It doesn't need to be directly spoken. Right. I mean, look at uh, uh, Soylent Green. What? That's about environmental collapse. The theme is all around it, but they never come out and quite say it. Right. And they have, the, but they had diversity in there. You know, if you'll notice, the first interracial couples in the uh, 70s all appeared in science fiction uh, stories, uh, science fiction uh, movies. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have noticed that unless you pointed it out. Well, I'm pointing it out now. <laughs> I think uh, the last one here, or it was actually the first one on the list, was adding diverse characters simply for the sake of having diversity in your book. I don't think authors should feel compelled to add diverse characters um, unless those characters serve a specific purpose and that person's diversity is either I, incidental, I, like it doesn't matter. It it's starting to seem like there needs to be a quota at this point. That you have to have people of color in your story for it to be a, a valid story? Well, at least at least in Hollywood, you know, with the screenwriters and all that. Well, I can't get into any of that. I mean, okay. honestly, for, on, on the political and, uh, side, like to me, here's, here's my point about this diversity and inclusivity. It's not about politics it's not about standing out there and being politically correct one way or the other it's about understanding what the our actual world looks like our actual world is multicultural it is diverse and that should be your authentic experience we're going to run a break we got one more segment we are going to tell you how to do this don't go away it's right on sc on 100.7 the point All right, we're back. Saturday morning, right on SC. Casey and Rex here with you every week on 100.7 The Point here locally and makethepointradio.com. We've been talking about white writers and diverse characters and some of the mistakes that get made. Um, and, and it's a, probably, from a sensitivity perspective, a little hard to know that that's what you've done. Um, and so just as an example of the um, experience that I had with the, these uh, characters in my book, I had sensitivity readers. I had beta readers who took a look at it and they are having, they had the experience that these characters have had. And so I asked them just to look at it and see if what, I've, if what I'm presenting feels authentic or seems authentic. Um, and so one of my characters is lesbian. I had my friend Agatha read her parts and just say like, am I doing anything wrong here? Am I presenting her in a way that seems um, insensitive or, you know, in some way insulting Abby. I don't want 
what's the right way to put that? I want to get it right, <laughs> and I want to make sure that um, I'm not hurting anybody's feelings, that I'm not making anybody feel uncomfortable. Again, my book is not for everybody, but I, I don't want to be part of something that makes other people unhappy. That's just me. As a, as a person, I don't want that. No. And so if, if what I need to do is to pull back and, and, and test some of these things out, like you would with any beta reader, you give the beta reader the book and you say, what do you think? Um, and in this case, I just happened to pick some diverse beta readers to take a look at mine um, and, and specifically focus on those, kind, those characters that have a more their experience than have my experience. But again, I'm also cheating a little bit because the point of view character is a first person narrator. Mm-hmm. How <clears throat> first, is that cheating? First person white male. So everything that he sees or categorizes or experiences, it, everything is that's a in stereotype. The book, Perpetrated by you. The book is going through (laughs) his lens, his filter, right? All right. So I can kind of blame Brian for some of this stuff. It's not just me. Oh, blame Brian? Yeah, man. Okay. All day long. Well, whose perspective are you basing that character off of? Oh, it's 100% mine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, No, I'm just saying, like, my main character, the the book I've written, I'm trying to get out there, is uh, a a female, right? White female, her 20s, right? Totally based on my wife. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to do it that way, if you want to base it on someone else, um, I think the best way to keep it authentic is to have them read it. Yeah. And, you know, see if it matches up, see if they have any suggestions like along those lines. Yeah. Again, like Memoirs of a Geisha. I mean, he talked to an old-time geisha, Mm -hmm. uh, a former geisha, or I don't know, (laughs) as it was. And he sort of, like, based it off her experiences completely yeah i think if you're if so here's the how-to part right every character in your story should have a backstory should have ambition right this is what they want they should have quirks they should have habits they should have depth every character in the story should have that kind of stuff about them it doesn't all necessarily need to make it into the book you don't have to give us the full history of their entire family but you should know it, right? Because what you know about the character is going to come through and how you present that character, their dialect, their dialogue, right? Like their mannerisms, anything, the actions that they take, um, all of that's going to come through. But you have to know that about each of the characters. And if that character's experience is not one that you have personally had, then do yourself a favor and read some books that are similar to that character's experience, right? Find some books that are presenting characters like that. I wouldn't go with TV. I wouldn't go with movies. I think those things are, are still pretty cliche and stereotypes. But I think there, are, if you can find authors that are writing from that experience, that would help. Or YouTubers talking about their experiences. Yeah, there are a lot of YouTubers that will that do like vlogs, right? Right. Their, their video diaries um, and, and talk about their experience. There's a ton of them in the LGBTQ community um, that talk about what it's like to be uh, to have the experience that they're having. So, yeah, I think that's worth it. I think it's worth it to investigate that if you're going to write a character from a, certainly if it's a point of view character. Right. You're going to let your wife read the book? She already read it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is she insulted by it? Oh, yeah, she says it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> As well she should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my least offensive book, I think. I think it's my most commercial book. Really? Oh, yeah, I think I'm getting all the... 
the 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 bile and the the, the outrage and all that stuff out of my system with these last couple of books. Yeah. Right. I mean, you've read my stuff. I mean, people are going to be offended by it no matter what I put into it. Yeah. I mean, well, even without racists. There's some, yeah, there's some offensive stuff there, but mostly it's just filthy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But it's horror. So it's supposed to be filthy. Well, my point is, if you pick up a horror book, you can't complain about it scaring you. True. In my opinion. Now, does it go further than other ones? Absolutely. Yeah. But sometimes that's what you want. It's not young adult ones where there's no real scares. Right. Well, I, I mean, I think overall, in general, on this topic of diversity, right, um, everybody just wants to read a good story. Everybody wants to read something that um, helps them maybe, I don't know, I like to be changed by a book. I like to be, I like for the book to show me something that I haven't seen before. I like for it to, but... More than anything, I want it to be authentic. I just want it to be not true, right, because it's fiction, but I want it to feel like it could have been true, like this could be somebody's legitimate experience that they had. Um, That's And and if you can do that, then probably the rest of that, you're not going to get the criticism, right? You're not going to be accused of appropriation and these kinds of things. Oh, you'll always be accused of it. That doesn't mean that the person knows they know what they're talking about. I mean, I think at a certain point when you reach a certain level, at least nowadays, you're going to be accused of something that's not true. You just got to get used to it if you're successful. Right. Because there's always going to be that, you know, that loser on Twitter who tries to stir up a storm about you because they're upset with their personal life, so they're going to try to take it out on you. Right. So, I mean, I think it's just something that you have to cover yourself for. Okay. Or be prepared for. Right. Be prepared for. Someone's going to say something. Um, and so I think most of the time people get into big uh, get into trouble by responding to these, you know, accusations. Because a lot of times these people just throw, you know, just throwing garbage against the wall and seeing what sticks. Right. And the author responding to it um, causes it to become a big deal. Right. If you ignore it, it pro- most of the time it goes away. Don't apologize. Because when they apologize, when you apologize, they attack harder. Right. <laughs> just, you know. Don't listen to reviews. And just think your book is not for everyone. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I would say in terms of, I would I suggest the sensitivity beta readers. I think that's a good idea. Um, I think giving your characters Well, beta readers in general are a good idea. Always beta readers in general, yeah. Um, giving your characters backstory, giving them, you know, Nuance. Depth. Nuance. Individual nuance. nuance. Yeah, and depth. Um, I put a list of some, the, these are just off of my bookshelf, and I forgot the their eyes are watching God, but um, there are quite a few books you can read that'll kind of give you a, an insight um, just to be able to understand how, say, for, for example, how black authors are handling their story, right? Um, how African or, um, uh, Asian authors are handling their stories. Um, and so I just put some that were on my uh, list or on my, my bookshelf, um, but also Richland Library has all these lists um, and so I put a couple of links to some of the lists as well. You don't necessarily have to be a member of Richland Library to see the list. You absolutely don't have to be a member of Richland Library to see the list. Um, but you can see their list. At your library might have one too. Um, and then um, find those books at your own library. Um, but, so I put a couple of links to that as well. And in terms of getting kind of bogged down with the like what is what. So you were asking about the LGBTQ+. Um, it's Pride Month, right? June is Pride Month. And so uh, thinking about 
what does this really mean? How do I understand it? What is the vocabulary that goes with it? How do people talk about themselves in that community? How do they see themselves in that community? I think it's worth taking that dive in um, if, if you're going to have a character that is part of that community and just kind of do the due diligence as far as that's concerned. Um, one of the authors that I was reading to get ready for this said it's like if you're going to write us uh, an athlete, a professional athlete, and you've never played a professional sport, right? And so, or, or even played that sport at all, right? How difficult is it? And sometimes you can get away with some of these characters that are, you know, maybe they used to be pro football players or maybe they were, a, you know, it's a plumber, you know what I mean? Like, or some other kind of profession. You can kind of get away with these professions that you don't know anything about because there are sort of stereotypical accountants and that kind of thing, right? Um, but is it the same kind of concept of like, do the, do the research? Because these, I think beyond even the profession, the ethnicities, our, our race, our sexual orientation, these things are about our values too, right? They demonstrate our, our past. And, and I think you can't get to the depth of the character without really exploring what those things mean for that character. I think it's worth it to do the so. research. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, research is everything. Yeah. It gives everything. It gives flavor. It gives distinction. Mm -hmm. makes your work stand out, right? Especially if it's the truth. Yeah. And I think depth, right? Because then we're not just talking about the three or four things we know about a typically lesbian character right we're talking about an individual who is on the page and happens to be a lesbian right right yeah i think it's important um i don't know we're we're not we're not done yet we're not done yet no. we have two minutes <laughs> like so what minutes, are you reading what am i reading oh you know i'm still stuck in my romance novels oh my i found God. megan quinn and oh. i've not been able to stop with the megan quinn books um that's been interesting and then uh what else am i reading i'm also reading a book called deep work um, it's a nonfiction, but it talks about how in our professional lives we have um, intellectual work we have to do. We have, and, and, and yeah, and there we go. And that's the end of the show. There we go. <laughs> that takes us to it. Uh, thanks for being with us. We'll be back next week. This has been Right on SC on 100.7 The Voice.